0: Well, good morning. Uh, As Steph said, my name is Zach Thompson and I'm usually at the Thornton campus, but it is so wonderful to be with all of you. Uh, A year and a half ago in the midst of this pandemic that you might have heard of church was planted in Thornton and the mere fact that it continues to exist, that we uh, continue to get to have people come in and hear the gospel for the first time or to be strengthened in their faith is down to your faithfulness. Uh, Your prayers, your support for us as a campus is constantly felt. It's a joy for me to get to come and preach at Boulder. Uh, Not so much because I care about what you get, but what I get is the encouragement and strengthening of of your words and your prayers and support. So I'm so grateful for that. It's been an incredible summer of seeing new people coming to church, uh, some feeling comfortable to do so, or having events like our 4th of July event, Kids Week this uh, this past week, our first ever Kids Week that we got to have, where 65 or so kids came. Uh, and It was incredible. So thank you for your prayers, your support. It is being felt in Thornton and excited to get to spend this time with you this morning uh, i was thinking about uh, how i feel so fortunate as well to have such a great relationship with my in-laws uh, this past a couple months ago or so we got to spend a week with, uh, with my in-laws and we just got to have this time of rest and, and connection and community they're two of the most generous and loving people that i've ever met and so i'm so grateful to have them in my life in particular i care so much for My father-in-law, I often joke with Emily, my wife, like the reason why I married her is just to be closer to my father-in-law. But as we're seeking to build relationship and and honesty helps do that, Emily's not here. So I could tell you there's not much joking to that sentence. My father-in-law is a pastor in California, and so whenever I have questions about ministry or uh, I'm filled with doubts or I'm just questioning everything around me, which happens about every 12 minutes, I'm grateful to have men like Tom and Gary and Thomas and John and so many more than that on Calvary's campuses that I can turn to. But I also am grateful to get to turn to Todd, my father-in-law, who is always so generous with Taking my calls or giving me time and and giving me advice and talking me off of metaphorical ledges. I I feel so fortunate to have this relationship with my in laws because I know not everyone has that type of relationship. I saw a few of you just about fall out of your seats when I mentioned spending an entire week with my in laws. It took Google all of 0.48 seconds to find 23 million pages containing jokes about in laws. It's a difficult relationship to have. It's difficult to have in-laws at times. It's difficult, I'm sure, to be an in-law, which is why I'm so grateful for this relationship that I get to have with mine. And yet what I receive from my in-laws pales in comparison to what Moses received from his. We're going through the story about these unsung heroes, these uh, individuals in uh, the Bible that we might have heard of or or maybe have never heard of before, and how can we look at their examples of faith, their lives of faith, and see how that might help strengthen us as we seek to live lives of faith as well. So today, we're going to learn from the example of Jethro moses father-in-law and what his example of faith shows to us and th- this relationship him being moses father-in-law is something that's so emphasized throughout exodus 18 it's a relationship they want us to get very clear as it mi- it's mentioned that he is moses father-in-law 13 times throughout that one chapter alone so we're going to look at this man who is a father-in-law, but I want to catch us up to the story to get into the book of Exodus. So God has selected one people from all of the nations to be his special people, the nation that are, is called Israel, through whom he would have this special relationship with them and through whom all of the other nations might know and turn to the one true God and he's been loving these people, he's been caring for them, he's been protecting them. Nowhere is that more clear than when a famine strikes the land and he provides a place for his people to be cared for and provided for, to not starve in the midst of this family, to find a home in the nation of Egypt where there's food of plenty in this nation that is the most powerful nation at the time. But then some time passes. And then some more time passes. And then we eventually get to the point where Israel as a nation is growing and growing. They're becoming bigger and bigger, much to the fear of Egypt, who looks and they wonder, well, what if they conquer us? What if they realize just how big they are and turn against us? And so to stop that, to head that off, Israel is actually turned into Egypt's slaves. They're mistreated, they're abused, and they cry out to their God for help. And God will rescue them. He calls for one man to help lead this charge, this man Moses, who will go to Pharaoh and demand that he let his people go. But along the way, Moses does something kind of strange. With his wife and his two sons, he sends them away to Jethro to his father-in-law. Now, we're not sure why. Maybe it's he knew that this was a difficult thing that he was going to do or uh, just for their safety. We're not sure what it is, but Jethro receives them, and it's really not how things are supposed to go, are they? Genesis 2 tells us what marriage is like. A man and a woman will leave their mother and father to hold fast to this new relationship. Nowhere does it say sending away your new family. Nowhere does it say turning your back on them. Nowhere does it say do they go back to their mother and father when things get difficult. And yet Jethro takes them in. We see a little bit of his character there, his trust. But he shows all the uh, even more so his trust when he sends that daughter of his, his two grandkids, when he sends them back to this man Moses. Because Moses does go through, he, he rescues uh, God's people, he brings them out, now they're wandering in the wilderness, to this place that will be his home. Moses has made himself public enemy number one of the most powerful nation in this world. And yet Jethro trusts in this man and what's happening enough to send his family, his daughter and his grandsons back to him. But more so, we see the source of his trust in Exodus 18, verse 1. I think we're having a little bit of difficulty with with some slides back here. So let me read Exodus 18, verse 1. If you have a Bible, follow uh, along with that. Now, Follow along with me in that. So Exodus 18, verse 1 says this. It says, Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God has done for Moses and for Israel, his people, How the Lord brought them out of Israel, uh, brought Israel out of Egypt. So Jethro hears of what God has done. He brought Israel out of Egypt. What God has done through Moses, what God has done for his people, Israel. He hears what God has done. And it's upon hearing of God's work, his faithfulness, his power, that is when Jethro goes to return his daughter. And his grandsons to this man Moses upon hearing of all that God has done through him that's when he goes to take Moses family back to him yes he has trust in this man who is a son-in-law but he trusts in the work that God has done through him and so he arrives and Moses treats him honorably and and tells them all the more of what God has been doing he tells them about how God rescued them miraculously out of Egypt He tells them about how uh, Pharaoh changed his mind and pursued Egypt and about how God performed a miracle after miracle again to bring deliverance for his people. He told them about how God has provided for them food in the wilderness, how from one rock he was able to bring forth enough water to quench the thirst of this entire nation around him. He told them story after story of God's faithfulness and power and provision. And upon hearing all the more of what God has been doing, well, the effects are near immediate. This is Exodus 18, 11. It says this, it says, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods. Because in this affair, they dealt arrogantly with the people. Egypt had dealt arrogantly with Israel. He says, now I know the Lord is greater than all gods. And what he does next is he worships that God. He offers sacrifices to him. He puts his faith into this God. Upon hearing of all that he has done, his love, his protection, his provision, his faithfulness, his power, he turns and trusts in this God. He puts his faith in him. Now, we've been summarizing a lot of the book of Exodus, and I'm sure you're all grateful for that because you have ice cream and, and other things to get to after this, and so you don't want me to be reading through it. But uh, what we're, missing, we're missing something key when we're skipping over some of those details. Because Jethro's response here, it's in marked contrast to how Israel has been responding throughout this entire book. Israel doesn't need to be told stories of God's faithfulness. They lived through them. They saw them every single day that God miraculously provided for them. And yet, their reaction has been singular this entire time since their saving. It's been complaints. Where is the food? Where is the water? Things were better off when we were slaves in Egypt. Did God bring us out to the desert just so that we could die? And then you look at Jethro's response. He didn't get to see any of this. He has told these stories, and he turns to worship, to putting his faith in this God. All of this despite being a Midianite. He's not part of God's people. He is not part of this nation. And all of this despite being a priest of Midian. Did you notice that job title that was given to him? This meant that his job, his livelihood, his entire life, has been offering sacrifices and worship to other gods. But now he sees that the Lord is greater than all other gods, and he puts his faith into that God. It's not the key part of the text, but doesn't this just show us the power of telling stories, of sharing with each other of what we're seeing God doing, of his work, of his faithfulness? Doesn't it just show us the impact of getting to tell those stories to one another. It's why in this service that we spend time trying to show what we might have missed that God was doing. We, we had a video at the top of the service showing what Kids Week looked like on all three of the campuses. And this isn't done so that we can look at how adorable the kids look or try to figure out uh, which kids we might recognize in there or to hum along with the song Zoomerang Zoomery. Uh, that, that's not the purpose of it, it's to look and remind ourselves that God worked this past week. In three different locations, God was active and bolder and eerie and insortant of bringing kids to himself for the first time, of strengthening faith. We, we had people in Sorton that we have never seen before, that have never walked into a church before, and yet they got to hear the gospel clearly and uh, presented to them. This happens because of people's faithfulness in serving. We we do these things. We tell these stories to remind us that God is working beyond what we even realize at times. It's why I shared at the beginning of what's been going on at Thornton. That's not uh, to say, like, look at how awesome the Thornton campus is, or look at how awesome I am, because it's clearly happening in spite of me uh, that that this work is happening. We share these stories because of we need to see God's continual work, and we might miss that. These stories help strengthen our faith. They help bring people to faith as well. What might we miss if we do not share the stories of what God is doing around us? What might uh, be a lack in us if we do not share these stories of how God works around us? We see that in, the li- in our personal lives. We see that in the lives of this church. We see it in the life of Jethro, who just by hearing these stories comes to faith in this god despite being an outsider despite having a life committed to worshiping other gods as i said that's not the point of the passage and so you can have that one for free we're supposed to be looking at what does this example of faith that we see in jethro how does that impact us well let me read for us verse 13 it says the next day moses sat to judge the people and the people stood around moses from morning until evening. And so the next day, the very day after Jethro puts his faith into this God, after hearing these stories, we get this account of Moses judging the people. This was very common at the time. In fact, it was very common for a long while throughout human history, until governments became much more complex, where whenever there was the dispute between people, they would bring that dispute when they couldn't resolve it to the leader, who would then weigh in, give insight, give a judgment uh, of what that might look like. We we see this uh, later on with Solomon, with uh, whose baby is this, when you have two women uh, saying uh, whose it is, and he gives a judgment to figure out who the real parent is. We see it in like most medieval movies where the king is judging between people. But what have we said about Israel? That they are people who see God's faithfulness and they find every cause to complain about it. I I can only imagine how many and how petty these these items that they need judging on must have been. His tent is too close to mine. She took my manna. It it was probably like what it was for me when I was a kid's pastor, uh, just, you know, with more facial hair. And so we have these people coming up to Moses looking for judgment between their disputes. And it says that they're standing there from morning until evening. That there's so many of them that Moses cannot get to them all. That he is spending all of his time acting as a judge between the people. And what's really happening is he's not doing what he's been called to do. God has called him to be Israel's leader. Yes, God has called him to be his prophet as well. He is the intermediary between God and the people. And yet he can't get to any of that because all he's doing is being the intermediary between people and people. It's taken up all of this time. He is not able to do what it is that God has actually called him to. And so Jethro sees all of this. And from this new faith that he has in the true God, he sees what is going on. And he speaks with wisdom to Jethro. Because that is what we learn from him. Faith produces wisdom. Faith produces Produces wisdom. He sees all that is going on, sees that Moses is not able to do what God has actually called him to. And so he is going to speak into that situation to show Moses that what he is doing is not the most wise course of action. Now, I have acknowledged that not everyone has great relationships with their in laws. And I can see some of you jumping to conclusions. Oh, of course. This guy spends one day there and already he thinks that he knows what's better. That's not what's going on. Because Jethro's trusting in this God. And this trust, this faith is producing in, his, in him wisdom. And we're going to see this wisdom come out in three different ways. Through humility, through boldness, and correction. Humility, boldness, and correction. Jethro shows us that faith produces with wisdom. And that wisdom comes out through humility, through boldness, And through correction and so let's look first at his humility he sees this judging going along from morning until nighttime and then this is what he says in verse 14 when Moses father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people he said what is it that you're doing for the people why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening See, most, uh, Jethro does not come and immediately think, here's what you should be doing instead. And he, he comes with humility. He asks questions. He seeks understanding. Why are you doing things this particular way? He's coming with humility. See, the thing about coming out guns blazing is uh, it makes people defensive. They don't want to listen to you. And it doesn't leave much alive to actually put into practice what you're telling them to do. But Jethro doesn't do that. He comes seeking understanding. He asks a question. Maybe there's some reason why this is the better way to do this. Maybe God said, you have to be the one who sits in judgment day in, day out, not able to do anything else. So he doesn't come assuming he knows what's right, thinking that he knows what's best, that he can fix all things. He comes seeking understanding. He asks out of humility, why are things being done this way? And Moses tells him, well, it has to be done this way. I am the leader. My job is to help people see God's laws, to see what's right. And so I have to be the one sitting in judgment day in, day out. It has to be me. And there's a part of this that's true. Moses has been put in this position of leadership. He has been called God's leader. He has been given the authority to present God's laws to these people. But it seems like he's taken this position that's been given to him this authority that that god gave him and that authority has grown that power has grown and grown and grown until he's the only one with it don't we often see this with leaders they get that little bit of power, that little bit of authority, this position, and it, and it grows and grows and grows until they're the only one with the power, that it has to be them at all times, that all, only them, they and they alone can do all that needs to be done. Moses has been called by God to be the leader, but he is missing out on so much more that God has called him to by just sitting on this judgment seat. Day in, day out, he's not able to be the intermediary between God and the people. He's not able to do what God has called him to. His time is filled with nothing else than settling disputes amongst the people. And is God really so limited that he can only work through one person? That only one person can weigh in on this? And Jethro certainly is not buying Moses' uh, Moses' answer that he gives to him. This is what he says next in verse 17 exodus 18 verses 17 says uh, moses father-in-law said to him what you are doing is not good you and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you you are not able to do it alone what you are doing is not good think of the boldness that it requires to say something like that We saw him come with humility that comes from his wisdom, that comes from his faith. He seeks understanding, but once he does understand, he has the boldness to speak truth. What you are doing is not good. And remember, he is saying this to Moses, to the leader of Israel. He just heard story after story about what God did through this man. And in fact, those stories are the ones that brought him to faith. And yet he says to them, what you are doing is not good. Uh, so I know God um, just destroyed the most powerful army through you. And, and he's providing supernatural food to you all. And uh, water's coming out of a desert rock uh, that happened because you struck it with, with your staff. Uh, and God's been defeating every army that stands in your way. But, you know, um, you're wrong. Think of the boldness that that takes to say something like that. What you are do, doing is not good. And yet Jethro speaks out of this boldness. He's, he's showing Moses that, that this path that he is down will, will burn him out and prevent him from doing what God has called him to do. He doesn't shy away from pointing to what is right, even while speaking against Moses. Now Moses has probably heard this phrase. Thousands of times, what you are doing is not good. Israel must have said the like or something like uh, something similar to this phrase to him time and time again: as as he's not doing what's right, as things could be better if he was doing it a different way, and he clearly doesn't know what he's doing, and he's making mistake after mistake after mistake. But that's not what Jethro is doing here. He's not just saying that what you are doing is not right. He doesn't just come and speak with humility and boldness but he offers correction as well. See, for wisdom, it's not enough to say that something is wrong, but it's also pointing instead to the good and better way. And that's what Jethro does. He doesn't deny that Moses is in this position from God. He doesn't negate that God has given him this authority and this position and this power. He, he doesn't uh, go against the fact that Moses is in this authority, that he is presenting what is right and wrong in God's sight to the people. He doesn't go against any of that whatsoever, but he instead points to the fact that, Moses, you are slipping from what God has called you to do. You're to represent the God to the people and the people to God. You're to be an intermediary. You're to lead the entire nation. Your, your role is not just to settle disputes, that other people can handle that. You don't need to have every bit of power in this nation. And so he offers this solution and said, find leaders among the people. People are of upstanding morals, people who trust in the God who gives wisdom and and have them act as chiefs over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Divvy up the load. See, by separating things like this and by having leaders in different groups like this, everyone will be able to have their case heard and you will be freed up, Moses, to do what God has actually called you to do. And yes, if a case is too difficult, then that is when you can weigh in on a judgment. But you don't have to be in every seat that there is. You're instead to be in the one that God has called you to. And the result of all of this, Jethro says in Exodus 18, 23, uh, he says to Moses, if you do this, if you divvy up the load in this way, God will direct you. God will direct you you will be able to endure and all of the people will also go to their place in peace. See, Moses hasn't been able to represent the people to God and God to the people, but he can do that. He can do the role that God has given him if he divvies up the load, if he gives away some of that power, if he doesn't take every bit of authority. Not only will he get to do what God has called him to, he won't be burned out and the people can go to their place in peace will be a better way of leading the nation. That if he does this, God will direct him. And that's where we see the source of all of this. Because we might have been asking throughout this, how do we know that this is uh, Jethro's faith that's giving him wisdom to speak in this way? How do we know that his humility, his, his boldness, this correction that he's offering, how do we know that that's truly coming from his faith that's producing this wisdom? Well, this shows us the source of all of it, that God has used this man Jethro from an outside nation in a position that was contrary to what God has been doing to bring correction here, to point Moses back to what God is calling him to do, to point him again to where God is directing him to be, using wisdom that can only in fact come from God. And the results of all of this, of Jethro's faith, which is producing wisdom, this plan that he offers to him, the, the result of Moses following this are, are, are near immediate. Because Moses does put this in place. He is freed up from settling disputes constantly. He's able to act in that intermediary role. He's able to do what God has actually called him to. Instead of holding on to every bit of power, he instead does what God has called him to and that alone. And because he is so freed up from this role of judging other people in just two chapters from now in Exodus 20, Moses is able to climb the mountain and receive from God the Ten Commandments. An important part of God's story to where it points to this future where God himself will show us what is right and wrong in his side. God himself We'll have his law written on our hearts that we won't need judges to settle disputes or tell us what God's law is because God himself gives that to us. And we see a picture of that, that glorious future that we await for. We see a picture of that on the mountain in Exodus 20. And yet Moses cannot get up there if he's still sitting on the judgment seats. It all starts with the faith of a Midianite, someone, someone not even part of God's people it starts with the faith of a priest from there who, who's, who's an idolater, whose entire work and livelihood and life has been done in the service of pointing people away from the one true God. Or worse for some of you in here, it starts with the faith of a father-in-law. I, I want to leave us with, with this last bit. There have been far too many stories in the church of leaders who claim that they're they're doing whatever they have to for the purpose of the gospel. That, That they're doing these practices, that they're taking on more authority, that they're doing everything that they can for a ministry, but they get a little bit of power, a little bit of position, and that grows and grows and grows. Like Moses, who was given a place of authority but took all of the power around him, said that this is mine, it has to be me. We see that happening far too often in the church. It's leading to abuses of of leaders being burnt out, of of destruction and and terrible things that are going on. We hear stories, far too many stories of this happening in the church, and we hear of far too few Jethro's who have the humility and boldness to offer correction and say what you are doing is not right and because of that we see these terrible accounts of abuses of power abuses of people of destruction in its wake because we do not see people with the humility and boldness and correction that we see in jethro and so my prayer for us as a church is that we can be that type of people who in our faith, which is producing in us wisdom, that we speak with humility and boldness, offering correction, and wherever we see too much power being taken by one person, wherever we see people going against what God clearly has called us to do as a church, whether this is some leader, maybe even a leader speaking to you right now, when this is going on, that we might have the humility and boldness to offer correction that can only come from faith and wisdom. Because we see these accounts happening far too often in the church. Or maybe it's not in the church that we see this, where we see people clearly going against what God would have, as we see this maybe in a marriage or in a friendship or in the workplace where people are going against what God has called to happen. Well, are we willing to speak into those moments? The question of it comes down to what situation might God have placed me in, like he put Jethro in, as a person of faith? In order to bring correction. Because think of all that needed to happen for Jethro to be there at that moment. Moses sent his family away. Jethro hears of what God is doing, so he comes to Jethro. He stays the night. All of this could look like happenstance, and yet it's God carefully orchestrating things to have the perfect person in the perfect place to offer his wisdom to his leader to bring about correction. Where might God have orchestrated something similar for you? Where you are in a place to speak out of faith, with wisdom, to bring about correction and humility and boldness. Where might God have placed you so that you could do something similar? But as we do so, as we do bring about correction, we seek to do so in the very way that Jethro does. Humility, boldness, bringing correction. Some of us are so good at being humble that we never get around to that bringing correction piece. Or others of us can speak very boldly as we offer correction that we look around and no one's willing to put into practice what we said to do because we didn't come with humility. See, wisdom requires both. Wisdom requires us to seek for understanding rather than assuming that we know it's best. And yet the boldness to speak into it to point to what is right in God's sight. So my prayer for us, wherever God has placed us, is that we might be people like Jethro. As we are growing in our faith, as we are trusting more in this God, as we are hearing more stories of who he is and what he's done, and that's shaping us, Well, that faith produces in us wisdom, the ability to know what's right, the ability to do what is right, and with that comes the ability to offer correction, for those who are not doing what is right in God's sight. But as we bring that correction, we do so with humility and with boldness, following this example that Jethro gives to us. Let me pray for us. Father, we are so grateful for this series that we're going through, where we get story after story of people who are far from perfect, and yet you use them as examples for us. That as we are people seeking to grow in faith, grow in following you, that you have not left us to figure that out on our own, to try to wonder what does a life of faith look like, but you give us story after story more than we realize of people who are examples. We're grateful for Jethro. A man who did not know you on one day and then the next he was being used by you to bring correction to your prophet, your leader. If anyone had deserved the benefit of a doubt or a long leash, it was Moses and yet he had slipped from what you had called him to do. So you gave Jethro wisdom wisdom that can only come from faith and so we too seek to live as people of faith seek to live as people characterized by wisdom that can only come from you knowing what's right doing what's right bringing correction where you might have placed us, humility with boldness seeking to do that help us to grow closer to you this day and every day going forward as we seek to be your people So it's to you and you alone we pray, amen.